Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's V, the Gorilla Economist, coming to you live on this edition of V for Velas. Velas is with us. He's going to be breaking down all the news and information of the day. And we have CJ working the airways, making sure the broadcast is coming out crispy and clean. You can check us out, roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News. Rogue News on every single podcasting app out there. Links are in the description box. And make sure you get over to our paid sponsors, mycbdedibles.com, mycbdedibles.com. For all your CBD edible goodness, the coupon code is ROGUE25. Get 25% off your order today, mycbdedibles.com. With that being said, gentlemen, what is going on? Vela, CJ, what's up, guys? Happy Friday, man. Happy Friday. Happy it's Friday. a long week. I'm beat. I'm exhausted. <laughs> well, your, your show yesterday was like a workout, so. Thank you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, lots going on. Did you guys hear the latest news that uh, the Democrats are going to send the U.S. Marshals to go after Steve Bannon? Did you hear about this? What? No, um, I didn't catch that. They, they oh, yeah. They have, they have legal authority in other countries? <laughs> I, I don't even know, man. I mean, they think their power is is just complete and total power. They can do whatever they want. You know, it's carte blanche. I mean. We're gotten to the level where, you know, I mean, they started going after their political adversaries years ago, and now it's just amping up. It's what a what 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 a country we're living in these days. It's unbelievable. The the hubris is stunning. It is stunning. And I I recall in my days working in Washington trying to explain to certain federal agencies when they wanted to do something, and my colleagues and I looking at them saying it, it can't be done. I mean, like everybody in this room represents the Fortune fifty, and, and it it can't be done. Mm-hmm. Well, sure it can't. We'll just throw a lot of money at it. Uh, no, <laughs> it's not going to happen. So like with Bannon, um, it's kind of like uh, Ryan Dawson, you know, running his show from Japan. Um, yeah. You know, because he's, as I've said. Where is Bannon now? Is he still in the U.S. or? No, he's in Asia. He's been broadcasting from, I think, either Taiwan or or uh, not Indonesia, but but one of the countries in Asia. He's been He's been safely sequestered out of the United States for a while. Holy crap. I had no idea. Huh. So yeah, so it's like okay, <laughs> wow. You'll have to call the embassy, and see how we're gonna do this. Um, but yeah, I you know, and it's like really, it's it's so typical. 
well, we're we're really upset about Bannon, okay? Yeah. But, but all the international financiers and so on that are are ruining the, the planet and uh, causing massive disruptions to even your personal interests, that you won't do anything about. No, no, no. It's not about but, that. But, it's, it's about but, the uh, the lapdogness. That's what the, the guy running the website, him you want. Yep. You know, it's like uh, it killed me that that whoever the media firm was, you know, even their staff was getting rather cranky about Joe Rogan. And the, and the comment was, well, yeah, that Rogan, was uh, Spotify. Yeah. Rogan's Rogan's too big to cancel. It's like, wait a minute. Let's step back for a second. So you're saying you don't think he's a good person or you don't like him on your network. But what you're afraid his fans will burn down your house. What exactly is the concern here? He's too big to cancel. Well, he's Chase Bank now. I mean, yeah, he's very popular. And he has a large following, and it's hard to really pin him down to say you know, by any of the labels of left or right that Rogan yep. is, is whatever. And, of course, one of the items I wanted to raise today is, and I'm sure many of you out there have seen it, uh, where Gupta appeared on Rogan's show, which I cannot for the life of me <laughs> understand what possessed Sanjay Gupta to go on Rogan. I mean, have you lost your damn mind? He did. Oh, he was squirming. I have some he thoughts was. on that, but I'll I'll let you continue, Velas. So just yeah, I mean, before he, you move on. Let me, I, I watched that clip and I thought this isn't even Fox News, where when um oh god, who am I thinking of? The the kind of the, the last of the old guard in the Republican Party was on and he started talking about Soros and, and Fox immediately went to commercial. Harris Faulkner. And, and it was uh uh what's his name? Uh Gingrich. Newt Gingrich. Yeah, Newt, Newt. Yeah, and it's like, you know, wow. <laughs> I could literally see the hand reach through the screen and grab you by the neck and make you go to go to commercial. So it's like, Gupta, you're on Rogan's show. He made it pretty damn apparent, even before you sat in that chair, that he's pretty jacked up about being personally attacked over how he treated his instance of COVID. So, um, yeah, and he wouldn't let it go because, you know, in the media, it's just like, well, we're going to go to commercial. Uh, no. Because Gupta kept trying to, to squirm his way out of it and say, well, I'm not really familiar. And Rogan's like, no, we're not. I'm not moving to another title. I'd like to talk about this, Joe. No, we're not moving to anything. Sanjay, <laughs> I want a damn answer. Your network knew. Well, they may not have known. No, bullshit. And then, of course, he holds up in his hand a copy of the prescription. I'm right. not taking the horse. For, and that and CNN went into damage control. And they're like, well, to say that horses aren't treated with ivermectin is a complete lie. That's not what the God, the Soviet Union was better at this. No, that's not they what were. was discussed. Now, the uh, the other thing I throw out there, folks, which I find funny, to quote Jack Nicholson from, from A Few Good Men, that's funny. Um, who is legally getting ivermectin in the USA? I mean, I know there's doctors out there that'll prescribe it if you need them to, but but many are afraid to do it. But but who is? I'm I'm dead serious. Who is getting ivermectin? Uh, our our lovely audience with the full force and endorsement of the U.S. government, senior U.S. government officials in Congress and the White House. That's no joke. There's been a bunch of stories about this. That over a hundred wow. members of the House of Representatives, a number of members of the Senate, a few people in the White House staff, they've all received ivermectin. Which I find funny, because not a single person in the House of Representatives or the Senate, several hundred people there, not a single one has died or been hospitalized for any significant duration due to COVID. But yes, the rest of the country has had issues or been denied the treatments they've requested. Rules for thee and not for me from your, gov your government. Um, 
By the way, folks, just just a reminder, uh, I did post the the victories for this week on Discord yesterday on the 14th. I I, uh, was concerned we wouldn't have the time here on the show. Um, The other thing, by the way, is I do post humor on the Discord page. Just be aware it's out there. I've got a bunch of memes and stuff I've I've thrown on the, the hashtag Bellas page. Um, and I've been blowing up the, uh, the Discord page. A couple of other folks out there, you know who you are, um, have also been pretty active on that page. But it's, uh, it's almost reaching uh, sentience at this point on Discord. So if, and I know many of you have been trying to get on Discord, and I know many of you have recently been added to Discord. And my thanks to CJ for the Herculean job he's been doing, getting many of you uh, out there added. Um, it's a great place to be. There's a lot of folks out there doing, uh, doing their thing. Um, we have no answers on the Nashville thermobaric explosion last December, nor the French hosting provider OVH Cloud who lost. It was it was methane, right? Last March, <laughs> uh, Julian Assange is still in prison, and Jeff Epstein did not kill himself. And a new one. Uh, notice how quickly into the memory hole went the women athletes in their testimony about how the FBI left them high and dry with Doctor Nazar, yep. and other sexual assaults. Uh, boy, they uh, they got out the the. Uh, <laughs> the the whiteout on that one pretty quick. Um, I was amused recently. Uh, the White House made some sort of statement recently, or Joe Biden did, about um, resistance that certain people have been raising about the whole um, hoof and so on. Um, what do you call it? Um, saying it's it's rich people problems and similar. And uh, there's been a lot of chatter out there by various governments about their citizens needing to adhere to these healthcare policies. And there's uh, a whole block of people that don't have that problem. And I'm talking about people of great wealth and senior government officials. I'm talking about people with two, $300 million uh, U.S. dollars worth of wealth or higher, especially billionaires. Uh, the first comment is, who's the employer that's going to compel them to adhere to these directives? They don't have one. Their, their employer is listening to their existing wealth uh, derive interest off their investments. <laughs> they don't have an employer. Um, the other thing is, is uh, travel. Uh, well, they won't be able to fly. They don't fly commercial. They've got their own planes. And in fact, just these past two weeks, a number of stories have come out about fractional jet usage and people signing contracts for fractional jet usage has gone up considerably. And the purchase of private jets has been skyrocketing. So food for thought. Um, a little humor, CJ, would you pull up that breaking news about the FBI? <laughs> There it is. There we go. <laughs> you know, what, well, yeah. Whatever happened to the Vegas shooter, right? I mean, that 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 whole that whole thing went quiet very quickly. <laughs> so yeah, uh, <laughs> and that's the beauty of the Babylon uh, B is it's funny, <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> We're gonna go bust up parent teacher meetings. Yes, and how about that whole child trafficking problem? Ooh. Uh, what about our Olympic athletes? Because other doctors were involved other than Nasser, who you have not investigated. I was just wondering when you folks might be getting on that one. Um, you know, and the other thing is all these transportation workers coming down sick and unable to report to work, whether airline pilots, airline staff, trucking firms, ferries. That was the other one that caught my attention recently is ferry operators have been calling in sick. The list goes on. We obviously have a very selective illness out there. I think the CDC and the FDA and NIAID, uh, Fauci's group, and various medical foundations, I think the U.S. government needs to give them hundreds of millions of dollars to study what is causing 
this very strange disease where people are refusing to be inoculated or show up to work or both. It's called freedom flu and it's contagious. Ooh, good one. Good one. Um, Derek Bros of the Conscious Resistance, uh, he's got a series of mini documentaries. I think I mentioned this on a prior show. He's, he calls it the, the period Pyramid of Power. Uh, that's out now if you want to go uh, view that. He's got topics like big education, big tech, big media, etc. cetera. Uh, you can find it on the BitChute site, and there's also a dedicated uh, website called uh, Pyramid of Power. One of the interesting takeaways about that series, um, which relates to a lot of things we're living with right now, uh, it's the series called The Oligarchy. Um, or the oligarchy. Uh, it discusses the truth about various temperance leagues uh, and other groups who were trying to get alcohol banned in the United States, which eventually led to the 18th Amendment. Um, now, why does that matter? Well, the government had already, U.S. government at that time had already developed studies showing that alcohol was more effective fuel than petroleum. And yeah. that's just something that Standard Oil and the breakup of Standard Oil and the various oil companies didn't want to see. So, and then the as, other big one was because, as someone who runs a car on uh, alcohol, I will tell you right now, it, it certainly is. I have a car making north of sixteen hundred horsepower, so I give that well, for that. Yeah, and it's used. It's used in F one or uh, Formula Racing. Yep. You know, um, burns clean, the, man. Burns clean. It does. Lots of power it, runs two hundred. Uh, my engine's like two hundred degrees cooler with w w you know with it. Than without it, well, and, and you you don't have a lot of the carbon buildup and so on that exactly. goes along with that. So at the time, you have to remember, folks, because uh, one of the problems I have is I've just worked in too many industries. And living out here in the Midwest, I do know my way around a farm. And after having done projects with firms that provide support services and stuff to John Deere and other companies, um, farmers could produce a wide variety of alcohols using uh, different source material from the stuff they were growing. And they were using it in their tractors, which was cutting out the oil companies. Again, I'm talking about prior to the 18th Amendment passing. So did those activists who believed alcohol was harming America know the degree to which they were being used? Well, I don't know that anybody really knows. But it's certainly nothing new, given what we saw with all the burning cities on the West Coast in 2020. Because I have to ask the question, seriously, we passed an amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We didn't propose one. It passed. And it was a grassroots event? No. <laughs> no. No. The corporations funded the outcome they wanted. And it's kind of true of a lot of events we see right now. Again, I don't want to throw that at the feet up because I know a lot of people have said, well, are you against the private sector? Not in the slightest. It's just that that when you reach the size of major, major sized corporations, Fortune 100 and higher, and I've worked for a number of them or worked with them, they are like their own countries. Um, I've raised on the show a couple of times or, or used it as reference, uh, the topic of the reporter named Danny Casolaro, uh, who died a number of years ago. He was investigating what was known as the Promise Software, which was an application that had been developed by a private firm and then, for lack of a better word, had been stolen uh, by the FBI and other federal agencies. And then it was realized later that that software was being used to enable a lot of spying on other countries and financial transactions. And the list goes on. Um, he was also investigating a cast of characters from everybody from Ed Meese to Bill Barr uh, and others that were invest, you know, involved in that mess. Now, again, on the Vellus, the hashtag Vellus section, I posted last night a really great article from uh, a magazine. Some of you may want to, uh, online magazine, some of you may want to 
read if it's your thing. It's called Covert Action Magazine, and they they dig into a lot of things about historical covert operations and things like that. But what I like about it is, is they get into the substance of, yeah, but who was really behind that? Um, and they did a piece on Danny and the Promise software. So if you get a chance, I did, I did post the link out there. Um, I wanted to take a bit of today's show and talk about the growing global, if I dare use the word, resistance. Um, resistance to many things and many forms of resistance, not just the coof. Um, and one of my themes from last week's show, uh, you know, what happens when someone shakes the media's narrative and says, what if, kind of like Joe Rogan's exchange with Dr. Gupta. And for many of you who might be unsure or others out there how to resist this stuff, you too can break the four minute mile from some of the content I talked about last week. So let's take an assessment because our fellow human beings have found a number of weaknesses in the, uh, in the walls of Troy. Um, we have the truckers in Australia. We talked about that one. That was a month or so ago um, where they tied up most of the major roads in Australia and basically brought commerce movement uh, through the country to a halt. And that most certainly, in my opinion, impacted their GDP, even if at a slight level. It certainly got the attention uh, of the Gestapo trying to get out there and get those trucks off the road. Um, we have various protests in Europe or even in the case of Italy, law enforcement has taken their helm helmets off in front of the protesters to show solidarity. Now, now some people have said, well, they just don't want to run, a, run afoul of the public. Well, <laughs> then go back to the 1980s and the late 1970s when I don't recall Italian law enforcement having that level of restraint. You could be right-wing, left-wing, didn't matter. A, a uh, union that was, was striking over uh, wage controls or whatever. Uh, Italian law enforcement didn't really show that kind of restraint. They are now, so there has to be a reason. We've got the occasional parental argument with the school board, and many of these efforts are now kind of going pro. We're, we're not in the minor leagues anymore. Uh, it's like my comment last week about, about uh, the United States' military and Rommel, where Rommel had made the comment to one of his officers, it doesn't matter that the U.S. military didn't perform well at this major battle at Kasserine, and they're learning, and, and they're getting better. Um, I think from some of the things I've been reviewing, it definitely shows people are learning when to resist, which is important, how to be effective, how to network, and what form of resistance. So we have 9-11 responders who are leaving their jobs over the various mandates. Kind of a problem if you have an emergency. We have medical professionals stepping down or seeking, seeking legal action over these mandates. Yep. Uh, I've been amused by nurses who've been forced to resign or doctors have been forced to resign and then are immediately picked up by a different medical group. Um, the other thing, too, is, is um, this is all is speaking of the medical issue. And I know a lot of people have said this. There's a lot of memes and jokes out there. Right when we're experiencing what has been described as the most serious global medical emergency since the Black Plague, the powers that be <laughs> think it's OK to not have the very medical people you need to address that. Someone explain that to me, please. Um, we have sick outs at, of all places, a heavily government subsidized institution, which is uh, Amtrak. Yep. Uh, there's been uh, frail uh, uh, freight uh, firms who have had folks going on strike. And then, of course, the airlines, not just Southwest, but we've had uh, airline staff, air traffic controllers. Um, the other thing uh, that I found interesting is, is that, again, if you watched the details closely, you'd have pilots go, I wouldn't say on strike, but they just weren't there. 
then they come back to work and the air traffic controllers are losing people. So then that way you don't need pilots taking off four or five days and having to show a, a doctor's note to say why you weren't at work. It's just one day at a time or maybe two days, because that's usually the thing. If you're out two, three days, you get them up the doctor's note. But it, I've, I've been amused by the networking where pilots are missing. Pilots come back. Now the air traffic controllers are out. Yep. The air traffic controllers come back. And then the baggage handlers are hard to find. <laughs> now, some history here too, folks, because some of you, this, this may be, forgive me, before your time. And V, I know you will know this reference because you're a former New Yorker. Um, back in the 70s and the early 80s, when a lot of American cities had to start making cutbacks in city services, especially for fire and police, those personnel would start calling in sick. And they called it blue flu. Yep, blue flu. Yep, due to the blue uniforms of the New York police and a lot of other major cities like Chicago, their uniforms were blue. And this was done to apply pressure to cities to force them to cut deals to take the pressure off of those, those workers. And what we're witnessing here is essentially the old school blue flu, but with a new twist, because it's, it's not just city services, it's across the board. Or even one could say it's, it's, it's all forms of critical services. I have to also wonder... Not to be indelicate, because I know this will get people's attention. When the folks down at the sewage department or your trash people also start calling in sick, I'm sure that will definitely get people's attention. Um, the uh, the other thing, too, that I've noticed about people's creativity is, is, as I've shared, you know, I'm a contractor to the government right now. And everybody has to be inoculated two weeks uh, prior to various dates. For some folks, it's late October. For others, it's early November. For other folks, it's the middle of November. So what I've noticed and I've heard being talked about by a number of colleagues across agencies where I've worked is a lot of people are taking all of their vacation right now because they're figuring if they get forced out, and my personal favorite, many, depending on which line of work you're in, a lot of these organizations are saying, fine, well, we're going to put you on administrative leave while we resolve the situation or figure out what we're going to do about you. So if you're on administrative leave, that's unpaid vacation. So they're burning up their vacation now. And much like my comments last week, this has caused uh, a lot of, of managers and leaders of various federal agencies to take extreme notice because it's not minor. Uh, it's across the board. Uh, switching gears a bit back to one of my... Uh, Before we do that, fellas, we have a, a quick two-minute clip from the vaunted... Uh, Anthony Fauci. Often when you get into the real world, the effectiveness of vaccines falls short of the original efficacy. That is not at all the case with the vaccines for COVID-19. So now we have two vaccines that are really quite effective. The mRNA vaccine, highly effective, extraordinarily efficacious, 94 to 95% for mild to moderate disease and virtually 100% efficacious because the real world effectiveness is even more impressive than the results of the clinical trial. I love the nutcracker music. <laughs> Watch the numbers drop. <laughs> 
Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Thank you, John Michael, my bad. It is crashing to earth. <laughs> 33%, 20%. You might need another shot. You've got to make sure. Yeah, Lister, Lister, Lister. It has nothing to do whether or not it's effective. It has you nothing to it's do. It's highly effective. It has nothing to do whether or not it's effective. <laughs> Highly effective. <laughs> oh, I love how we've rolled in the profits. That's fantastic. Oh. <laughs> that is awesome. Whew. Oh, I love good. it. We have most probably highly effective, most likely. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, go ahead, Valis. I'm sorry. I didn't oh, have to get that, that in was, there. Yeah, thank you. God, that was good. Um, oh, my God. Switching switching over to one of the other topics I love to talk about, Les Wexner and, and Jeff Epstein. Um, there's a podcast group called C13 Originals. I posted it on the Velis page on Tuesday night on October 12th. Um, it it's I've reached out to the creators of it because I'm pretty sure they're going to post other versions of it. it. It gets into a lot of the backstory of what was happening to the models and stuff and how things started to decline and how they were treated in the workplace and so on. But then it, it crescendos and starts heading into the relationship between Wexner and Epstein. So if you have a chance, uh, go find that link. I'm pretty sure they'll be adding additional detail, but it's, uh, uh, it's a good piece. And that's another form of victory out there, folks, for us, by the way, because uh, I've really noticed... Um, there's a number of really good podcast uh, content out there. I mean, beyond like case in point, uh, the news information and the, the discussions we've had going on on our Discord page. And I know Frank, quite frankly, he's, I'm on his as well. There's, there's quite a bit going on over there. Um, folks with dedicated sites, we've got dedicated researchers like, like Polly and, and Mike Moore of True Pundit. By the way, a number of you were reaching out on YouTube Mike Mike Moore of True Pundit, not Michael Moore, the the rather rotund uh, director, um, completely different guy. Um, but th- that podcast content uh, is growing. I mean, I I miss the old days of watching PBS and Frontline would have a really good piece on the arms industry or whatever. Those days are over. But um, there's still a lot of really good documentaries out there. The podcast folks are doing good work. So uh, additional victories for us as far as having access to the, to the information we need. The other thing, too, is a lot of the news aggregator websites, the ones I kind of rattled off last week and are also posted on the hashtag resources page on Discord. There's a lot out there. I'll leave that all for you to read as far as the um, supply chain challenges that are out there. But some high points popped up this week that I also wanted to cover. Um, I saw a video on Wednesday, and thank you, good Discord people who posted that, uh, of a guy in Long Beach, California, filming trucks that were sitting idling while ships were sitting in the harbor waiting to dock, or those that were docked were were just inactive. What was the problem? Well, the cranes weren't operating, and there wasn't an operator in sight. 
And of course, again, much like, you know, pilots call in or don't show up to work, then followed by air traffic controllers, reciprocally, the other side is doing the same thing. Because especially with some of these ports, we have a very well orchestrated series of events that just seem highly unlikely to be occurring at the same time. We have cranes that are working, but we have no trucks. We have trucks, but now we have no trains. And many of those companies are heavily influenced by Warren Buffett as well as BlackRock. So if somebody wants those trains not to run, they're not going to run. Um, then the trains are working, and now the harbor masters are saying they can't navigate the ships. And then rinse and repeat. Um, the other thing, too, is uh, there's that American shipper website. I've been uh, posting some of that guy's content on the Bellas page. Um, this is a university professor, and, and all he does is just monitor shipping, um, which would be a topic that's dry as toast, but he does a good job with it. Plus it's a topic people want to hear about right now. So this is, this is his big moment. So he's, he's leveraging, but um, he was pointing out recently what we've mentioned here on rogue that naval fuel uh, prices have gone up. One of the things we've talked about on rogue is um, you know, the other thing too is, is that this was the year that sulfur had to be removed from naval fuel. It was one of, or high quantities of sulfur had to be removed from naval fuel they were one of the last users of that type of, of uh, diesel marine fuel uh, that could still use high levels of sulfur. Why does that matter? Well, sulfur is a lubricant, um, so it required a lot of retrofitting of ship engines. A lot of ships were actually taken out of use because those the ships were built around the engines. So the other thing is a lot of emissions equipment on those ships had to had to be updated, so that's had an impact. But he pointed out that naval fuel is the highest it's been since 2014 right now, which is only adding to this perfect storm we're dealing with. It's unbelievable, man. I mean, even the the fuel we have to import from somewhere else, and we have no re refining capacity because we haven't built a new uh, refiner since right. 1973. Well, and as we also talked about on the show, when you're, you're fracking fuel in the United States or just domestically sourcing it, American oil, much like Libya, uh, Libya has the best. But it's what's called low sulfur diesel, or they, they call it light sweet. Um, it, it's easier to refine yeah, because you're not trying to get all that sulfur out. Now, the other end of the equation is, is that uh, the sulfur is, is removed from the petroleum, and they stack it up in like these big cakes or blocks, and it's used by the steel industry. It's used by a lot of industries. I mean, we have a use for it. But like a lot of things, it adds to your cycle, your manufacturing cycle, your production cycle. So using U.S. sourced oil geographically is a lot faster because you're just driving it down the road to a nearby refinery. You're not waiting for a boat to, to park itself at a harbor. Um, the other thing that the guy who runs American Shipper was talking about was, is, and I did not know this, he said a lot of our maritime charts and monitoring of vessels is not as accurate as you might think. Uh, this is another one of those U.S. infrastructure problems uh, that we're having. Some of you may have heard there were these uh, oil spills off the West Coast. Yep. And um, there were pipeline breaks and so on. Well, the truth of it is, is yes, it actually was caused by ships' anchors dragging across the, the underwater surface and they hit those pipelines and broke them. Now, one would assume, and there's an old saying that says, when you assume, you make an ass out of you and me. Uh, one would assume is that when you've got that many ships in the area, and there's a lot, you would try and keep those cargo ships away from those locations, especially with that much uh, congestion. There were also some high winds, too, that were off the West Coast that added to the problem. The simple fact of the matter is, is those waters are not well managed. And there's a couple of reasons. One, the charts are needing some updates. 
because you know fiber optic and other things have been run in those in those uh, bays and harbors and things that aren't on the chart. Um, the other thing too is is there's a perfect uh, storm again of the ports have to work with the coast guard along with other authorities. So it's the classic situation of well who the hell's in charge here? There's a whole bunch of people with opinions. The Coast Guard would like you to do this. The Harbor Masters would like you to do this. The shipping companies would like you to do that. But a lot of times there's nobody who's the icebreaker. There's nobody that if you escalated the situation and said, look, I need, a, I need an ultimate authority who can make a decision. We don't really have that. But again, not to worry because Gavin Newsom has said he wants the ships anchored in gender neutral waters when they're off the California coast. <laughs> I'm kidding about that last part. Um, also, uh, Mike Moore of True Pundit uh, had some great content this week about, um, well, great in the sense of, oh, my God, um, but that, as you might imagine, the costs for producers, uh, specifically when it comes to grocery stores, the costs for producers are constantly going up. Uh, most grocery stores and even shippers are being told almost daily, uh, okay, the prices have gone up again, the prices have gone up again, and that's caused a lot of problems because there's a lot of paperwork having to be done because, the financing of these things and so on is normally a long-term planned out thing of I'm going to buy so many boxes or what have you of, of Cheerios from this, this uh, producer who will then warehouse it. The warehouse will send it to the trucking company. The trucking company will bring it to our stores. Um, but at each of those points in the delivery chain, now the prices are going up and everybody's trying to keep up with the costs. And in a lot of cases, what happens is we got to hold off on delivery. Because number one, as you might imagine, because it's been talked about a lot, we've got shortages. But number two is, is that we can't ship it until we figure out what the heck we're supposed to charge you for this. So those challenges are going to continue. So just be mindful of that. And again, as I said on a prior show, no need to panic uh, and run down to your local grocery store, but I would stock up on what you can. Um, in the land of ridicule, which the globalists fear, uh, South Park is still on the air. Uh, <laughs> if you've caught their shows the previous three years, you'd see political correctness selling out to China and some stuff involving Mickey Mouse that you just cannot unsee. And of course, the coup. Um, they had one episode where Cartman's, Cartman didn't want to get a shot or an inoculation. They didn't even say coup. It was just, you know, some sort of vaccine that he needed to go to school. And so... The episode had all these kids who hadn't gotten a shot, um, like like a rodeo uh, where the kids are running out and these guys are on horseback, chasing them down and tying them up and then giving them a shot kind of thing where it like became entertainment. Um, so South Park being on the air, it may not be your cup of tea, but that's still a victory. And Newsbusters website had a great, great piece on that uh, that they called the cancel culture jihad. And uh, their, their topic was how, how the left failed to bring down South Park. Um, with all of the migrants we've had coming across the border, I'm not even sure what the correct word is one is supposed to be using these days, but people coming across the border who aren't from here. Uh, they're human infrastructure, fellas. Yes, I see. How uh, yeah. dare you call them migrants? They're human I'm infrastructure. Human infrastructure. <laughs> uh, thank you, V, for your coverage of that topic yesterday. No problem. Uh, Beyond all the discussion around cheaper labor being made possible and possible interference in future elections, and the list goes on, um, here's one folks may not have considered. Uh, back when I was in graduate school, as, as I've shared with you all before, I was in a program that was uh, sponsored by Air Force Intelligence, dealt with uh, strategic uh, planning, human rights, a number of different, different areas. 
And one of the courses we had was on power. Uh, specifically, how do you define it? Because, you know, the professor kind of walked us into the front of the truck in traffic because she's saying, how would you define power? And everyone in the room is going with the classic definition of, well, the, the ability to compel, especially for military people that were in the room, uh, I aim my rifle at them and they obey. Um, but as we got into the more subtleties of it, one of the analogies they used was, well, does Cuba under Fidel Castro have power? And it's like, well, not if you're talking militarily or economically, not much. And she kind of smiled at everybody and said, are you sure? And we're like, okay, it's your class. What, <laughs> where are you going with this? And she said, when Fidel Castro opens up his prisons and his insane asylums and sends all of those folks, including political prisoners to the United States and takes advantage of US law that says, if anybody from Cuba can make it to the United States, we'll, we'll immediately make you a citizen. And he overwhelms the infrastructure of Florida and other parts of the United States by doing so. Well, number one, it helps him solidify his power on the island. So that's an aspect of power but it overwhelms the government services of the United States. And it, it takes advantage of not the contradictions, but the unintended consequences of US policy. So let's consider all of those people coming into the United States, who, as we know, have been getting moved to states like Tennessee and Iowa, not just the usuals of California and, and uh, Texas and others. And there's even some graphics I've posted on the hashtag Vela's page that show what each U.S. state, what this is costing them. And for some of the Midwestern states, it's hundreds of millions of dollars of social services, housing, yep. uh, medical care, and the whole thing. For California, it's in the tens of billions. And as we've already discussed on Rogue, California is already out six to eight billion in tax revenue because so many people have left the state. Yep. So this is a lot of pain, isn't it? So that's a form of power and intimidation. The other aspect of bringing in undocumented workers and infrastructure um, is if you don't if you don't support our agenda, we're sending another fifty thousand people to Texas. Yeah. So just just a thought on that one. Um, the other thing too is you may have heard in the news uh, some stories popping up about MERS, and we haven't heard about MERS in a while. And MERS is Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, uh, which is also known as the rather derogatory camel flu. Yeah, um, and, and it's actually real nasty. It is very nasty. Very it's nasty. Pop, popping up again. And Mike Moore's paid for service, he was discussing how um, what we've now come to understand about what the labs at Wuhan and other, other areas of the country were working on or researching, that even before they were dealing with um, forms of respiratory diseases that can be transmitted by animals, They've been working for quite some time on MERS. Now, yep. to what degree and for what purpose, nobody knows. And of course, remember my other warning about, we have to remember with a lot of these labs, even, even if they're geographically located in a country like China, where we may have some reservations about, is this a move by the Chinese government, et cetera, et cetera. We've got to remember these labs are independent entities. And the, the bigger thing I often try and raise on my show is, nine times out of 10, my first answer in every one of these situations is, and how much money is being laundered? Oh, absolutely. How much did the board on that lab get? How much is, is you know, Fauci's moving millions of dollars out of NIAID over to these labs along with DARPA for research that only now is, is coming out. So um, his concern or the concern of some of the people who've been bringing him data is, is the COOF may just be the initial bug. 
I hate to even go there. Oh, but, I have no doubt. You know, when this whole thing broke out and 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 we kind of had a grasp on what the hell it is. I, that thought has always been in the back of my mind. This is a precursor to something else. Well, and the other thing is, is as I've often shared with all of you, I mean, I used to attend military conferences and other things in my past life where I was rather stunned by the the not just the topics we were covering, but the rather casual way folks would talk about, you know, well, yeah, if that should happen, that country's going to lose two or three hundred thousand people. And <laughs> the back row typing up notes going, I'm maybe speaking out of school here. Perhaps we should do something to help them. Oh, what can you do? Um, so the the thing about weaponization of this, there are actually academic papers uh, in the medical industry and in academia and talks going on at medical conferences right now about, geez, we sure hope nothing happens with MERS. And the problem with that is, is how many of these conferences out there that we've seen, you know, the, the um, oh dear God, whatever the conference was that Gates sponsored, Bill Gates sponsored, uh, some of the other World Economic Forum, I've raised that here a couple of times, where the, the World Economic Forum at one of their big cyber conferences two years or so ago studied how would a major pandemic, a disease pandemic, impact uh, the global economy. Uh, the one they had this year, uh, which again, I hate to even talk about it, but I'd rather raise it and nothing happens than something does happen. What would happen if major power grids failed across the world? And of course, the, it has been discussed. It is being brought up right now. There are power grids around the world that are, are getting impacted. They don't have the resources they need. Maintenance on the generators is required. They don't have the spare parts. Uh, I shared with all of you in my days with General Electric that, that those I'm not worried about that, Velas, because I know for a fact that all the windmills and solar farms will save us. Yep. I'm going to roll out a big sheet in my yard and connect it to one of those solar batteries, and I'll be fine. That's it. That's it. So... You know, whenever these these groups start studying these things uh, in depth, you know, there's money or interest or both. And and we kind of need to scratch our heads and say, is that going to lead to something else? There was a 2018 proposal by the EcoHealth Alliance, along with DARPA, Duke University, North Carolina University, and Palo Alto Research Center. And, of course, what are the odds? The Wuhan Institute of Virology. And the project was led by none other than Peter Daszak, you know. Who That's Fauci's right-hand man. You got it, my friend. And the study was focused on what's the likelihood of various diseases being transmitted by bats. I was uh, talking to Peter. I said for him to look <laughs> possibly at the potential of a maybe of a bat someday having a viral infection. I'm still waiting for Fauci to step in front of the nation and lean into that microphone and go, eh, I'm a made man. What are you going to do? <laughs> you can't lay a hand on Highest me. paid government worker. Do you know that? Highest Fauci's paid, paid more than the president. Did you know that? Highest paid government consultant and under no legal obligation to disclose his financial assets. Isn't that amazing? What are the odds? He's making like I think what four hundred and fifteen or four hundred and twenty thousand a year, just right. ridiculous. No one has any right to question him. Uh, no one's question be like, hey, look, hey, how, what, what's your investment in these patents for these uh, for these jabs? Uh, I probably somehow maybe might possibly conceivably have something to do with that. I don't know. And I I also posted this week. I wasn't gonna uh, mention just because of time, but. Um... I posted an article this week from 1988 on 
the Vellus, the hashtag Vellus page on Discord. Uh, the Village Voice, certainly not the paragon of conservative thinking in the United States. I mean, the Village Voice, how much more left can you get? The Village Voice in 1988 published a huge article about their anger and frustration with Fauci back in the 80s because of the advice he made about treating AIDS. Oh, he, and told, again, he told kids, parents who have children, uh, they should not be conceivably eating potato chips from the same bag. Literally. Well, in the, the Village Voice article, uh, again, the enemy my enemy is my friend, talked about how uh, doctors trying to treat people in the gay community in the 1980s, uh, gay activists, other researchers, had been violently concerned about the AZT drugs that Fauci was recommending. And Fauci's recommendations, Fauci's, see, again, everybody across the world is very fixated if they know Fauci at all or care what he's saying about Fauci right now. The thing is, this guy's been in the shadows since the early 80s. He's he's one of those people who wander around Washington, D.C. and are the go-to expert when it comes to fill in the topic. One of the things I learned working in Washington was is that I had identified myself as a consultant and I had a couple of contracting officers pull me aside and say, you can't do that. You can say you work for a consulting firm, which is true, but you yourself, you can be an advisor, you can be a whatever, but you can't be a consultant. And I said, why? And they said, well, in Washington, there are only a handful of people who are legally allowed to be a consultant to the government because what they know is so huge that they're kind of the only person out there that has all of that knowledge in one brain walking around. And one of those people is Anthony Fauci. So I was, I was very interested by the village voice article. It's been popping up again because they, they weren't emotional. They weren't accusatory. They weren't attacking. They just said, you have people who know this topic. You've got people who are providing care to people that are suffering from AIDS. And in the beginning, it was just New York and other parts of the United States and obviously spread worldwide. But their, their comment was, is that there are a lot of people out there with a lot of medical credentials or just people with a lot of data because they've been caring for the sick and the dying and you're ignoring them. You're, you're pushing an agenda that has no basis in fact, has no basis in anything other than a number of firms who are saying, how much do you wanna live? Because this shot is expensive. And here we are, what, 30 more years later and rinse and repeat. It's, 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 it's the, the same, same idiot. It's the same idiot. circus, folks. It's the same circus. It's just new animals <laughs> in the circus. So that wraps up the content I had. Uh, v and CJ, did you guys have some other stuff you wanted to cover? I think, CJ, you had something you were you wanted yeah, to do. Yeah, CJ, you were going to say something. Yeah, I mean, just in regards to the Joe Rogan conversation uh, with um, uh, CNN, uh, Sanjay Gupta, Joe said something very important right at the beginning of the discussion. He said, thank you for reaching out to me. Uh, in other words, Sanjay reached out to, to uh, Rogan in regards to being on the podcast. So this wasn't any type of request that Rogan had sent. Oh, interesting. And, and a lot of people missed that. More people were, were celebrating the context. You know, we, we fall into the like We've said numerous times these, these teams, oh, we said this better than you, you know, the, the right. Ted Cruz type of mentality that I want to look good and say what I want to say. But it, the reason that Sanjay was there, he, he was there for a specific reason by his handlers. And the greater detail of the conversation has to be in regards to vaccinations for kids. 
Uh, you know, I believe it's the next age group is targeting five-year-old to 12-year-olds. I Someone correct me if I'm wrong. Someone can fact check that if that's right. I think it's five to 12-year-olds. Yeah, five to 12. And and they spent a good 45, 35 to 45 minutes going back and forth of that. My thoughts are the handlers the, the, the said, Sanjay, you, you need to go up there. It's a large enough audience. You need to do your best to to sway the conversation to that. That is the right thing to do is to vaccinate the five year old to 12 year olds. I think that was his his goal. In other words, he went there with an agenda. Oh. Um, Rogan pushed back on that significantly uh, with a lot of information in regards to the fact that there's more of a risk of, you know, receiving a vaccine injury than being hospitalized, you know, due to COVID. So it was, it was, it was a great back and forth for a good 45 minutes, but all we heard was like, yeah, did you see he got CNN good and you know, all this bullshit. Uh, so that's point number one. So when you get a chance, go listen to that. Cause Sanjay was there for a mission. He was there to try to try to influence the public into, and, and, and probably even convince Joe a little bit too, that, Hey, Joe, you know, you have a large enough audience. You, you need to be responsible for what, right, you, what right. you say to get people to encourage their, 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 your kids to go get vaccinated. So I firmly believe that he was there with an agenda. The second piece of it is that despite what everyone, everyone thinks, right? I, I get tired of hearing that, that the cancel culture works on both sides. I get tired of hearing people on our side say, I don't listen to that person anymore. They're, they're a shill or that person is this, is it? You, you have to take the time to listen to both sides. Like even I go listen to CNN sometimes. You have to understand the false information that's being portrayed in order, in order to counter the narratives that are there. And if you just stick to listening to content that you agree with 99.9% .9 of the time, you're not going to learn anything. You're, 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 you're not going to, to change or be able to articulate conversation to to uh, to counter the, those arguments against that that type of agenda. So so I just want to put it out there and specifically in regards to Rogan, because, you know, whether you like him or not, I don't get I don't care. That's not the whole point. But what he has been able to achieve by far is something that very few have. And that's the fact that he's been able to counter some of the mainstream media narrative, right. the globalist lead agenda. And he's and he's achieved that he's cancel proof. That that he's pretty much at this level where they they can't cancel him. They so so we need to celebrate people that are that are like that. And there's other people out there as well that are that are able to to get through it and and, and push the agenda. So so I just wanted to put that out there uh, because I think that was completely missed. You know, we're getting the little sound bites of the back and forth and and you know, and I agree that that you know that Joe probably did have the best uh, of the two in terms of those little those little back and forth, their little debates, if you will, but. I just want to put out there that he was there for an agenda. It was primarily to really uh, influence the audience, influence Joe to advocate for vaccinating five to 12 year olds. Very, very well put CJ agree uh, completely. Uh, it's important to know what the other side is saying, even if you think it's batshit crazy, because you can't, you equally cannot be sitting in your own echo chamber, completely unaware of what the other side uh, is saying. And, equally on Rogan's show. Um, not to be snarky, but I think that's how you turn a uh, uh, an ambush into a victory. Because, yeah, if they could get Rogan to at least even acknowledge that there's some grounds for starting to move this towards younger children. Because uh, Rogan, I mean, I know you and V know this. I mean, Rogan's had people from both sides of various issues on there. Absolutely. You know, and he he 
it's a delicate balance. He's had the ability to to maintain that Swiss embassy like way that he can have folks from opposing sides on his show. I mean, it's kind of like when uh, what you call from Infowars was on there. Certain parties went through the absolute ceiling and lost their minds. How the hell yeah. did you have him on your show? And it's like I would have whoever the equivalent is from the left on the show. Well, and more so, and, yeah, and and more so the ability to admit when you're when you're wrong, and and you know a lot of people can't do that, especially publicly. To say, you know what, I was I was wrong, completely off on that, and and let's move forward. And you know, Rogan many a time says, you know, I, I I could be wrong, I probably am wrong, I, I'm not the expert on this, and um, you know, versus you know being afraid to just come forth and say, you know what, I I missed that, that was that wasn't so. So again, I again, it was a great conversation. I encourage everyone to go go listen to it, but. I think the, the the meat and potatoes of it was was that uh, Gupta was there for for an obvious mission. So I thought he was there to share his chicken tikka masala recipes. <laughs> <laughs> that too. That's it. <laughs> Fellas, anything else you want to say? I'm good. Uh, have a good weekend, everybody, and uh, take care of yourselves and and don't lose faith. I know a lot of you are struggling with what to do. Um, with your, because unless there's a billionaire or two on this show, I'm pretty sure all of us are below that level of financial means. So it it means that somewhere somebody's going to try and compel us to carry around a little card with our papers. Um, papers, please. I, I know a lot of you are struggling with that, and uh, I certainly don't have the answers. I've tried to provide as best I can, whether here or on the Discord page, content of of use to you. Um, but but don't lose faith. I mean, there's there's a lot going on out there. Do your research. Uh, it's a personal call on on your side, regardless of what the government thinks or or various experts. Uh, noting the chat going on on the show today. Um, but do your research. Uh, talk to legal counsel. Find out what your options are. Um, there's a number of of folks uh, with shows like ours who've been talking about what what industries could you work in. If you have to leave the one you're in, um, that's kind of funny to me and hits me on a personal level because most of my professional life, I've, I've gone from professional services to information technology, to management consulting, to government weapons development and all sorts of foreign policy stuff back to it. And I've had people come to me for years and say, all I've ever done is this industry. How, how is it possible to be a person who works in this area of the economy and then go completely over to this other area? And it's like, well, you've, you've got to learn to look at your skill set from the perspective of how could that be of value to, you know, just for instance, I mean, you're, you're working in a manufacturing sector and now you want to go into the medical space. There are ways to do that. And there's a lot of folks out there who are kind of making decisions. And I've heard a number of shows and people commenting about, if they lose their job or if they get forced out or if they have to go to court, which is going to put them on administrative leave, then what, what's your backup? You know, are you going to go a year or just live off your savings? That's a, that's a personal decision. You may or may not want to do that. Are there other industries that you can work in? Uh, are there 1099 options where you just become a contractor? Um, I think Gus said it best maybe two weeks or so ago when he said, Something to the effect of, I have to really wonder how much the black market is going to grow because of oh, this in, in, the, in the sense of labor. Yeah, the real market, you know, the real economy. Because the other thing, too, the is... The real free market right there. There's, there's a lot of, even in my area of the country, there's a lot of private equity groups that are run by billionaires yep. who need staff. 
or training institutions who need staff and and they are especially if they're privately held um there's no real way for for or much harder for the government to enforce rules on them and the other thing too and it's been said by many and i'm not even i'm not even going to try and outline that that reality um there is a huge number of cases that have to be worked through the system. I know I mentioned last week that there are thousands of cases and there are in the system right now. For any of you with an interest, you can go look up on the PACER website, P-A-C-E-R. That's like the government clearinghouse of, let's say hypothetically, you've got a person in your life who's causing you problems. Uh, I've known, I've known uh, women who uh, are dating in major cities and use the PACER website for this reason. Because if you go to your local court system, it's just going to list any cases, usually civil, that you've got in your local area. If you go to the PACER system and go look up somebody, you can find out, I don't mean this literally, but I mean, you can find out if they had a traffic ticket in Tennessee. I mean, it'll it'll cover any civil, federal, or other cases that are out there on that person. It may cost you a couple cents per page to, to view the content. But, you know, those are one of many tools that you can use. I know people in the dating world who use that site just to make sure they're not dating somebody with a record in another in another state. But, um, you know, those are sites that come in handy when when you want to research, Okay, how many cases are in my state right now when it comes to whatever? And again, you'll find in most cases, whatever your issue is that you're trying to contend with, whether it's a school board, a city council or or shop mandates, uh, you are violently not alone. And so the other thing, too, is we got to let those cases go through the court system, both at the federal and state level. And that's going to take time. And that's another thing where if you haven't been in the court system and all of you lawyers out there, take it easy on me. But but if you haven't been in the court system, one of the, the ways in which you can tie up your employer, whether federal or civil, is to say there are cases pending on whatever it is. Well, we want everyone here at work to wear red shoes. Well, it's funny you mention that because there's two cases taking place right now at the state level that are trying to decide whether or not that's legal. And so I'm not making a decision as an employee for you. And you as my employer probably don't want to make a decision if suddenly the court case goes against what you want me to do. So I like you will wait with bated breath until that decision comes down from that judge, because of course, what will happen immediately after that, there's going to be an appeal because you, you're allowed to appeal three times in most cases. So this stuff is going to take a while, but again, go talk to some attorneys, Go talk to some people who know this stuff and make the best decision you have. And don't feel that you've given up if you do actually find yourself having to take one of the shots. That may just be a decision you have to make. And again, I would violently point you to V's input on that topic on the show where they where he was talking about silica water, vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, several weeks before you have the shot and several weeks after Um I've read a number of other pieces since then that have pointed out that that a preparatory regimen before you take some of, of these more powerful vaccines. I mean, to be candid, when I went down to South America, I had to get one of these shots that have like a million different things in them, these boosters and stuff. And it, it knocked me on my tail. You know, the yeah. nurse looked at me and said, you know, well, one out of three patients tend to pass out or vomit. She's like, so I'm standing off to the side while I give you this. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm in really good shape and I eat healthy and I've been I've been hiking stadium steps with a backpack full of books and uh, well, lay it on me, you know, and she, she puts the injection in me and I'm sitting there going, I'm good. And then the next thing I know, she's laying me flat on the table and I'm like, what happened? And she goes, your eyes started to dilate. She goes, you'll be fine. I'll get you a cool towel. 
but you know, she grabs my cell phone and she goes, you're not going to be talking because my phone's ringing always. And she's like, you're not going to be talking to anybody. You're just going to lay there for about a half an hour and then we'll see whether or not you're okay to go home. So, I mean, there's just regular uh, vaccine shots and boosters out there for, for hepatitis and other things. Yeah, uh, Common stuff. Like when you're going to yeah. travel, especially if you're a yeah. contractor. It's, it's not just this, it's, it's any of that stuff. It's anything, you know, right. c- cut out the alcohol. Um, I know, I know. Uh, alcohol is a killer. I'm telling you all right now. CJ's CJ's been doing his sober October thing, and uh, I'm I'm doing my best. CJ, <laughs> I'm falling off the wagon <laughs> periodically here, brother. Give me some love. I'm doing the best. It's not I easy. Can. Not easy. Yeah, but I mean, I've I've uh, reduced. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's like I tell my priest at my church. I know you want me here every Sunday. You know, that's just not going to happen. But I'll be here once a month, and the checks in the mail. <laughs> You know, we're going to have to kind of meet each other halfway here. <laughs> so that's that's all I've got. And uh, be good, everybody. And uh, we will we will see you next week. And remember, everybody, let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> let's go, Brandon. <laughs> and with that being said, also, guys, uh, check out uh, the yesterday's show that I did. If you want to get a breakdown of what the hell these globalist scumbags are uh, wanting to do, uh, it's an eye opener. So go check it out. Um, roguenews.com. As well as I think it's also here in the uh, in the YouTube as well. It's pretty funny. YouTube just put a, a wiki a Wikipedia link on the show yesterday about uh, the Great Reset. They, they were trying to fact <laughs> trying to fact check me. Nice. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. I always love it when the KGB stops by and asks me uh, why I was talking to my neighbor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why were you talking to your neighbor? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, folks. Have a great weekend. Uh, Harley will be back uh, next week. And with that being said, take it away, CJ.